0: Hello, you have stumbled onto another episode of Get Your Fill, Financial Independence and Long Life, where we invite people over to help us to explore ways to achieve those two goals. And today I'm excited to let you know that we have Kati Goshtarvi. She is an accomplished securities lawyer. She's an author, a keynote speaker. She's one of the past chairs of the American Bar Association Law Practices Division. And more important to us, she's a personal branding expert. She has some great tips for us today, and I think you're just going to love her style, her ease, her fun personality. So without further ado, Katy, thank you so much
1: for joining us today. It was mid-March. It was March 19th, so I was scheduled to have a paid program on Zoom because we've been doing virtual programs on Zoom for four or five years because my client's global. Yep. And... Um, Uh, this all happened and on March 18th I just was laying there and I had this in the morning and I had this visualization and I was like I can't charge people for that class and what do people need from me and I was like they need a lot of support given what I do because really the focus is on people's brands who are you but brand is who is the person right? right and that applies to professionals all the time because we're always confused about how should we come across, what should we say, what should we do, how do we attract attention the good way, how do we influence, how do we sell, how do we lead? It's all combined under the umbrella of the person's brand. And so I did a free webinar on march 20th on march 18th i turned it into free and it was like 40 people in there which overnight was like you know and the zoom thing was new for people and it was all women professionals and i was like oh man like you said they're all trapped at home they have their (laughs) kids at home and they have their spouses at home and they're trying to run a business at home or work at home and i thought that old adage if mama ain't happy ain't no one happy and up to then women weren't my only audience it was men as well but i really realized that was super important so yes um i've been busy because really the structure of the programming is who are you and then how do we take that and unearth that and excavate that and i open the portal i I just give them the access to the portal for them to figure out who they really are and then they can take that and do whatever they want but in this economy in this time becomes paramount to figure that out. It always is, but now really important because people are confused and um, they're trying to make peace with it somehow and they're trying to evolve as a result of the pandemic. And so it's a beautiful time for that reflection and um, because we're forced to look at it. So I'm happy about it and it works, yeah. Yeah, excellent.
0: So, you you know, we started talking about the the branding and who people are and how do you go about you know tapping i mean we all probably think we know who we are but how do you communicate that how do you help people to like go inside and figure out what of them needs to shine and
1: yeah um well so i used to be a securities lawyer i did that for 14 years very successfully in washington dc and here in southern california and as i was practicing securities law and i had some high profile jobs i never really thought i was making a difference but i always wondered isn't there something more to life? There's got to be something more. And when I would ask people, they would look at me like, why are you asking that stupid question? I I guess it is a stupid question because no one wanted to engage with me. So I stopped asking that question, but the premise always stayed with me. Isn't there more to life? And, then when I switched careers, I burnt out of the practice. I had spent 15 hours one day drafting a little part of a mutual fund prospectus at work. I went home that night to my lovely home in Newport Beach all by myself because I was single and I opened my mailbox and there just happened to be my own prospectus and I reflexively threw it away because no one reads that stuff. <laughs> that was my <laughs> aha moment that, oh my God, what I was doing was not why I had gone to law school. I'd gone to law school to really make a difference and this wasn't it. So I quit cold turkey tears before the recession. I found that the second career on that premise that we all have something we're naturally good at and we all have a purpose and we all matter and so we should shine as a result of it and as I teach this stuff and as I figured it out over seven painful years for myself (laughs) um, I put it into a program for people but what I learned as I was learning all this painful material was that um, we're all afraid as Marianne Williamson so beautifully says in her book a return to love of our light of our greatness so when I work with clients, I am 100% sure everyone has something they're fantastic at and everyone has real richness in something that, that would be of value to others. And so I I see that already in people. That's just my natural talent. So we look for people's natural talent. What is that one thing you're really naturally good at and that you do every day We you think the rest of us do it too? It's like breathing. Um, let's find that because the premise of everything is – Do you emotionally resonate with me? That is the only reason your brand sells, 78% of everything you and I buy is not based on content. It's based on how you make me feel. Okay. So I'm not buying real estate because of the realtor, I'm buying it because I like that real estate agent or I like the commercial real estate agent. So the only emotion that sells is happiness. Do you make me happier in the moment? a degree happier. I'm not looking for a clown or cheerleader. I'm looking for someone that can make (laughs) me feel happier than the moment before I was with them. I will pay them. I will hire them. And so that natural talent component allows that happiness allows us to find our own happiness, right? Because you can't make as a brand, you can't make your clients or your prospective clients happier in order for them to notice you, hire you, want you, if you're not already showing up some version of happy right? Right, right so and we're also mired in stuff external stuff and it makes sense right especially with covid these days people are worried they're concerned legitimate all legitimate however they all have the control and that's what i am a champion of you have the control you have the power nothing external should be able to rock that even though I have my many bad days, right? I mean, I am learning as I go, truly. Um, I just usually three or four steps ahead of my clients because (laughs) I see that greatness in them, right? And I have coaches that see the greatness in me that keep me going. We all need that accountability. So what are you naturally good at? That really puts people in that place of ownership. And then How do we bring it to light? What is your story? People have beautiful stories. Just yesterday, I read two stories from two clients in my branding boot camp. These stories were like, they're all lawyers, this this group of boot campers. Um, But these stories are so poignant and so rich. Every one of them is like that. So I always tell everyone, I wish you could sit in my shoes, having read thousands and thousands of stories over 12 years, because I'm the only one that reads them It's confidential. I take them to my grave with me. But you would see people differently, you would appreciate them differently, you would kind them slack differently, you would yeah. just rejoice in who they are because of what they've gone through and how it's been. And so that's a huge part of people figuring out who they are. But the underlying current of all of this is based on my research that I did at UCLA with a neuroscientist 10 years ago. Um, I found out there's a direct inverse correlation between stress and self-confidence. So as your everyday stressors go up, and boy, we've always had them, now we certainly do, your self-confidence proportionally starts to drop, even for the most self-confident people. So stress is going up, self-confidence is dropping, which means what? Which means our brand value isn't selling. But what that really means is that we're not emotionally resonating with our audience. No one is buying that anymore. So every aspect of my teachings is about boosting self-confidence and reducing that stress barrier because that will allow people to really own in air quotes my favorite word who they are and then put it into action and then there's so many tools we implement like the natural talent like this story um really having people hone in on their values you know i just did a webinar the other day for a national organization that is the largest legal software provider and they asked what people wanted and so many people said, I want to understand my values, which is new since the COVID-19 because people were not asking for that. They were more oriented towards, okay, how do I have a brand that sells me? And I was like <laughs> reading this and you know, they were typing it into Zoom and I'm like, values, values, are fascinating, right? That's yeah. a big change, men and women. Yeah, so, um, and values is very important. And I can tell you why in a minute, I just feel like I should stop talking now because I keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's true that,
0: I, I mean, I think this, I read this and I totally believe it, that we don't realize our own value. We don't realize, not our own value, but our our own talents. It's almost like we think that everyone else has all of our talents plus their talents. So we think, you know, oh, we just take them for granted. It's kind of, how do you, you know.
1: It's true. It's what true. What makes us special, you know. Yeah. are you? Is that a question or are you just making that as a statement or something? Well, I, I guess
0: both. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, how do you help people to discover what's special about them that, you know, no, not everybody has this
1: innate ability to do X, Y, Z, you know? Uh, so look, when I say natural talent, that's an excellent question. I'm not looking for them to turn it into a career like I did. So how this came about is I took a course from an ex-Harvard litigator when I was sitting around eating bonbons after I had retired at the rest of 30-something from the practice of law. And everybody thought I was crazy. I thought I was crazy. This is two years before the recession. But I knew I couldn't keep doing that because it was going to kill me. The stress of it was literally going to kill me. Yeah. But back then, no one was remitting themselves. And in this class, this man really taught me the natural talent concept he's brilliant and i give him full credit every day curtis adney you know those people that come into your lives that really shape it yeah and then they just disappear but yeah. <laughs> always forever you you hope to be that for someone right yeah, i don't need to true. ever see you again necessarily but if you can take that wisdom on and pass it on and look yeah. what i've done with it anyway so curtis um had us do the natural talent exercise and i was like well i don't have anything i like to get dressed in the morning that's the most exciting (laughs) part of my day you know there's a whole set of questions and there's four 39 other people in the room and, and and i said well doesn't everybody else love to dress themselves and they all said no we hate that and i was like here i am like a 37 year old person who's never heard this before i was like why not and they're like God, it's awful. You don't know what to wear. I'm like, oh, it's so much fun. The textures, the patterns, the colors, matching things. And then they taught me about stylists in Hollywood. I'd never heard of a stylist before. I felt like I was living under a rock. I'm like, (laughs) paid to dress other people. That's so cool. So that's what led me to where I am. Turns out I'm not a stylist. (laughs) Fundamentally, part of our program is what do you wear? Because that is based on the external brand, the billboard, and it boosts people's self-confidence. And it was started fundamentally by a man in one of my programs. So I'm getting somewhere with this.
0: Um, <laughs> Thank you,
1: time. <laughs> so um, I don't, that's what led me to change my careers, but I'm not expecting everyone to do that. I'm just saying there's some component of your day that is so rich with that for you, with that joy for you. You must find it because everything in my world is about an intentional plan. Do you have intentionality behind everything? So say you love cooking and so many professionals love cooking. I am not one of them. They do. Like, all right, well then juxtaposition that next to a tough activity you have coming up, work related, a tough meeting, set yourself up for success. So what are those natural things people are good at? There's a whole proprietary assessment I give. There's so much dialogue that we have with clients as a result, but there's there are underlying nuances. They're not anything that you necessarily, not all those people turn into top chef, right? They don't have to, but again, it's a recognition that, hey, I have value, I have worth, I have power, I matter, and I can take this and serve a purpose in the world rather than just having a job quote right yes which and then so that's when you asked initially why do companies are doing this because i started them thinking like this i'm like your employees are humans they bring their human to work every day they've got to understand who they are and why they do what they do and how they fit into this machine of your organization otherwise they cannot do their job well enough because there's no sense of purpose there's no direction there's no meaning so when they do this organizationally with me productivity goes up Um, empowerment goes up, retention goes up tremendously and leadership skills start to come out because everybody feels good and their stress is low and their self-confidence is higher. So Self-confidence. I mean, a natural talent is one component of all this that we've built up to. Uh, and I just hold that vision and open that portal because I can see you. I dived I into your business. I could project out five years from now. That's my natural talent of where you should be, what you should be saying, what you should be doing and how it will pay you dividends, who your target audience is, how you should market to them. All of this stuff just lines up for me. And I don't even have a marketing degree. I have a finance and an accounting degree and a law degree on top of it. So that's where the natural talent part of it comes in, right? Right. Yeah. Well, and like you say, that's what when you're, I don't want to say exploiting your natural
0: talent, but when you're developing it and using it on a daily basis, that you get fired up because you've got that, you know, it just feels feeds good. on itself. It feeds on yes. itself, right? It feels yes. good. You're helping people, you're doing your thing and other people feel like you're doing your thing and you just become a
1: big magnet for success. Yes. And you know, it's easy. When I was practicing law, there was never a day that was really easy. I have to say, I enjoyed it for a long time until I just didn't, but it would, It was hard work. I really found it challenging and I've yet to find a lawyer that says, it's not challenging. It depends on the type of law, but still this, you just know it's your natural talent because I'm in the flow. Like mm-hmm. literally I opened, the first couple of times it happens, I was in shock I open my mouth and all the right stuff comes out and I would <sighs> be like, where'd that come from? Who said that? Right. And then when I speak, I'm a professional public speaker and Q&A is my favorite time. So my husband (laughs) is a dentist. Sometimes at the beginning, would sit in my audiences and be like, I get so nervous at Q&A because you're not a marketing person and I don't know what you're doing up there. And I'm like, it's the best. I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth, but it's always the right answer. It always works for people. So, you know, that's another huge benefit that it's just inspired, divine communication I have with people and it yeah. makes a difference for them, right? Yeah, exactly. You're just the, you're just the vessel, right? That's right. That's <laughs> right. People don't need to know if you're spiritual, you know what that means. If you're not, don't worry about it. It's all good. <laughs> it all gets you the same results. Yeah, exactly. Just listen to what I say. So here's a total left field
0: question. And I don't know if this all ties together, but I, I looked, you know, so your company name is Purest Consulting. Am I pronouncing it correctly? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I said, hmm, I wonder what that means. So I Googled it, and I found out that it's a puffy wheat cake in India. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's a city in India, and you can use it in Scrabble. So those are the three important <laughs> things. I, I did not know the last two, believe it or not. <laughs> and you can use it in Scrabble. So are you asking me what that means? I'm wondering where you got your name for your yeah, company. <laughs> so
1: um, it's interesting. I toiled around with that a lot. So it started with the promise that I wanted an um, an authentic business brand. And I wanted people to know that what they did with me was about finding the pureness of who they are and who they truly are. So I was looking for something with the word pure in it and I couldn't find it. And so being a good lawyer, I always consult and hire all lawyers because I really believe you do your job. I do my job. And my intellectual property lawyer said to me, You need to make up a fake name. Because a fake name you can protect, but a real name, like a real world, where it's very hard to protect intellectually. Yeah. I was like, huh. so then I said, pure, pure, puris And so I just came up with it and then I trademarked it. And then after the fact, I, I did my little research after the fact, and I found out <laughs> all that stuff about it. So there you are but for me and I've several times, cause we've iterated the brand, you know, cause that's what I teach. So we've gone through four brand iterations now and I've thought about changing the name, but I never have. I just couldn't leave. It's changed from Purest this to Purest that, but it's always just been Purest. So um, yeah, that's what it means. And so yeah. fundamentally it's about the purity of who people are and bringing that to the world and getting and, them results in business. Because shoot, it doesn't have to be so hard. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I, I, originally I thought, I wonder if it's, because I know you're from Iran, and I said, I wonder if it's an, an Iranian word, you know, and I said, no, it's a, it's a puffy wheat cake. Okay. <laughs> but no, the, I want to say though, I'm making fun and I'm sorry, but I, no. when I read the name, I thought of purity. I thought of cleanliness. You, it's there like, you go. It you know Yeah. It, it gave me the right vision and image. And I just, you know, so I think it's effective. I think it's a great good. name. I definitely wouldn't change it. I definitely wouldn't. Good. good, good, good. Okay. So one thing that I noticed about you in doing some research on you and, and, uh, and now in speaking with you is what a, an excellent, clear communicator you are. Is that a big thank part of, of what's required for you to, to be good at what you do?
1: Uh, thank you. I really appreciate that because that's something I'm always working on and I find I could do better just like everyone else. Um, yes, it's a huge part, right? So I run... Branding bootcamp, as I've mentioned, and week five is about communication. So it all bleeds up. The first three weeks are about who are you, right? Fundamentally, before you can build this business brand, you have to have a healthy foundation, just like a house brand. So it has to be about who you are. Then week four becomes who's your audience? How do we figure out who your audience is? Serving them, evolving your audience. And then week five becomes communicating who you are to your audience, verbally and non-verbally. So I find most breakdowns in organizations and in business period between client and um, person doing the service or prospective client is because of lack of communication and it's because we don't know who we are so we can't really express who we are well tonality all of that comes into play and as we work on it, people then become better because they've already now learned in week one, two, and three, who do, who they are, who mm-hmm. their audience is. They've learned the traits of their audience and how are you going to self-express towards that audience? Mm-hmm. And so communication is paramount. I used to run from communication because I was not raised in a household that was good at communication, <laughs> right? Um, where refugees, immigrants, you know, let's face it, my parents, I thank them tremendously but it was just about getting by for a long time right <laughs> it wasn't about all the fluffy stuff and thank yous and but whatever although we were very politely raised it just communication fundamentally was not at its core what it should be right so yes communication is tremendously important because it, i've got to get to know you i've got to like you like is critically important in brand development because there's so many people that do what you do Real estate, in law, in financial services, in whatever. How do I distinguish that? It's the vibe I get from you, and then what you say after I've seen you and liked your vibe, and I approach you. And that's all about heartfelt communication as I'm learning. You know, I, I truly believe, and during the pandemic in March, I really got it that we all have a divine inside of us, whatever that means to you. You don't even have to be religious, you can be an atheist and believe that, um, that that guides you in your principles. And when you communicate from that heart space of love, Uh, you can't fail. So my number one prep tool is before every um, meeting. And I didn't do it today, but I did actually take five minutes to ground myself. Usually I have a long morning routine, but this morning it was five minutes. (laughs) And I thought, okay, God, this is all I got. Whatever it is, it's going to have to work, right? Because circumstances are what they are. And um, just from what, what do I want people to know from the heart space? And how can I love them? And, you know, it's not mushy, um, romantic love it's it's caring right yeah and so that guides all communication I truly believe it verbal and nonverbal so it's very important
0: yeah and it, it's it can be difficult I think to tap into that at first when you haven't done it right when you ha- when you're not accustomed oh. to sort of being very authentic and saying exactly what's on your mind is first you might and there's some processes, right? In the beginning, you, maybe you just blurt out what's on your mind and you end up sounding like, a you know, cruel or whatever. And then later on, maybe you can.
1: but I, I- Absolutely, right? Yeah, it all takes practice. It's yeah. like yoga. It's like meditation. It's a practice. Communication is a practice. Yeah. It also means the working on yourself. So I am constantly working on myself, right? I have a lot to learn. You know, they say you teach what you're learning and then some and I <laughs> truly believe it. So if you don't work on it, how are you going to get better at communication, right? So every aspect of it, writing, like I have my third book and I hired a new copy editor and I thought she was just a copy editor, but she's really fundamentally getting me to think and express differently, right? So everything is about expression and communication. And I think one of the best ways to learn good communication is to start writing a book. People, when they write, they learn to express. The other thing that's important is I am here to help people access that portal into who they are. It is because I help them access their right creative brain. As professionals, we're all trapped in our left linear brain all day, every day. A plus B equals C, right? And that access point does not allow us to create brands that are authentic and attract people and are emotionally resonant right, with our audience. We don't know how to emote. That's why we don't communicate because we're afraid to emote, right? Showing emotions. Um, And so when I uh, guide people to access the right creative brains, that allows them to self-express better, and really figure out who they are back to your first question. And then from there, their creativity becomes exponential and they feel good. Self-confidence goes up, stress goes down. And then they're able to actually then generate that brand that is communicated well to their audience. Sometimes without themselves even knowing how that happened. (laughs) They'll come and they'll go, guess what happened? And I'm like, and I used to say, Oh, that's nice. And (laughs) they would be like, I wonder how that happened. And I'm like, do they not know it's because of our work? So about five years ago, I stopped being shy about it. I'm like, it's because we did this, 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 and this. What, what did you think? So, it's, it's stuff up, to <laughs> it's up on people. Yeah. <laughs> when you, you
0: touched on this a little bit, um, you know, get, tapping into that right creative brain, that's like your imagination, right? You're bringing, bringing mm-hmm. out your creativity and your so mm-hmm. how how can people grow? First of all I'll talk can you talk about the power of your imagination? Oh.
1: Power, oh. how that so one of my girlfriends said that many years ago to me, she said, you know, the power of the imagination as an adult is unbelievable. Try it not. And I listen to everyone, right? I think, I think the universe speaks to people loud and clear. So I'm always one of those people that's curious. So I, I tell people stay curious, right? Curiosity drives out judgment and allows you to really like learn. So I started playing around with that, you know, when we're children and I have, a Kathy G TV episode. If people get on my um, website, Pierce consulting, cause I have two websites, kathy, and Pierce, consulting.com. If you go to Pierce consulting.com and you go under Kathy G TV, I have a whole episode on imagination. When we're children, we tap into our imagination all the time. But as we grow, people are like, well, don't sit there and daydream. Don't be silly. You know, but it really is. Now we call it as adults visualization, but I like to use the real world, right? It's imagination, right? So sit there and just peddle in just what, what do you want to happen? Live in the future now, right? We're always living in the past and it really traumatizes us because we're living and rehashing it. Oh, I'm so good at that. Let me tell you, I can <laughs> rehash stuff from 1982 and have answers and have dialogues with that person. And why did you, it's nonsense, right? We all do it, but the key is self-awareness. Can you catch yourself? Okay. And stop that. So that's piece number one back to visualization and imagination though. What would it look like? Because as I've learned, and I'm sure, you know, the mind doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's not. It just generates the effect, which is you get what you think about, right? So if you think about all that stuff from a positive aspect from what you want, I mean, you can literally, it's visceral. Like I feel the emotion in my body. I do that. I even did that this morning, like for I think 30 seconds. I just see it and what I want and I feel the emotion of it. And it's like, woohoo, yay, it's Mike Dooley. I don't know if you know Mike Dooley. Mike Dooley taught the woohoo stuff, right? You go to tut.com, t-u-t.com, com. Mike Dooley's great. And so you can literally feel it. And from there then, You can create whatever you want. So part of my work with my clients is, well, what's that going to look like when they write their story of the past is generally to clear out the gunk, right? They they always say, um, I'm therapeutic. I'm not a therapist because I'm not a licensed therapist, but I'm therapeutic for sure because that story they write clears out the gunk. But then after they're done writing that story, but from that story, we also get other things. Let me clarify. We get their elevator pitch, their tagline, um, the about you page on your website, all the communication that goes out in marketing pieces from their website to ads, to target to their audience. But then I say, after we're done with all of that, we'll write your story going forward. What does that mean? I mean, I'm like write a page and a half of what your life's going to look like in a year and a half and give me as much detail as you can what table are you sitting at? What's the temperature in the room? What, which, which direction are you facing? Are you flying first class? I mean, all that stuff. And people are like, I don't know how to do that. And I get it. Cause I didn't know how to do that. I was like, I was like shy or I just couldn't like that muscle was so weak, right? So weak. That's how I look at it. So I'm constantly strengthening that muscle. And so what, what other things can you do? Color. You know, 12 years ago, I was like telling people to color and coloring books weren't even out the adult ones. So I, I wish I'd invested in the adult coloring <laughs> book market. Now they're at the end of every grocery store aisle. So put your mask on and go to the grocery store <laughs> and maybe we should keep this evergreen, but you know, it is what it is. Who knows how long we be wearing masks, but get yourself an adult coloring book and just color. So before I do any writing, I color 30 seconds. If you don't have a coloring book, great. Take a piece of paper and a highlighter, just as long as there's color to it, and doodle. Stimulate that right creative brain. And that's the easiest way to do it. There's all sorts of other ways, like creative writing assignments, hobbies, things like that. But just just color, just color. And don't think of it as silly. Don't think of it as being a child. Don't think of imagination as being a child. Reframe that for yourself and see the results. It's true. Interesting. Interesting. I've been through that process
0: of you know book writing, and it's so easy to get so cerebral. But you know, it's true. Like I think Ernest Hemingway was like he only he had to write it all longhand. And I found that when I do that, you know, it just it's just better. When I do it on the computer, I can do my editing on the computer. But when I do the whole thing on the computer, all I do is edit, right? All, all I do is like go back. Oh, that sentence is no good, right? It has to be perfect before it gets on the computer. No. I write it out longhand and then that just allows the ideas to
1: flow. I can always edit it later. Yeah, there's something about this connection of the hand and the mind and the heart really yeah. that's very powerful. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I wanted to talk a little bit because looking at your history, how you sort of, you know, came to be where you are and, and you know, it was a kind of a rocky journey. And it just made me think about endings and beginnings. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we we're, we have this situation and then for whatever reason, you know, maybe it's dramatic, maybe it's just sort of withered and then that died and that brought us to a new beginning. And I I think that's really important now to talk about. I mean, I want to talk about your specific journey, but also to kind of open it up a little bit because so many people are have things ending right now, right? Maybe their job, maybe their, you know sometimes being home with somebody 24 7 makes you realize that you don't like them as much as you thought you did or you know like there are a lot of things that are evolving and changing that might feel like a like a death but actually you know it's it's a a rebirth it's a rebirth yeah can you just chat about your first of all tell us about your journey because it's a fascinating journey
1: so, yeah, um, so we're from Iran originally, and in 79, because of the revolution and we're not Muslim, we had to leave the country. But we thought we were leaving for two weeks, so we packed two suitcases and um, went to Indiana, it's the Midwest where my mom's brothers lived, and we never went back. So, talk about dealing with change. I call myself a change expert, and I truly am, because that was the start of it, right? Just adapting right? And, and that's what good brands do. They flex, they change, they adapt. And so I got to grow up in the Midwest in Indiana, and it was a wonderful upbringing, great people. But I was picked on because I didn't look like everybody else. And the kids were mean. And it was tough because it was hard to adjust and acclimate. Now, as a six-year-old, it's way easier. So I always have real respect for my parents for having to literally like they were well off in Iran. They left their homes. They left everything. My grandparents, it was tough. They did it because they wanted a better life for us and for themselves, I hope. And so I always wanted to save the world by being a lawyer. I thought that's how I was going to save the world. And so most of my audiences, I allow them to laugh when I say that because it's kind of funny. Um, But I got to actually do that. I got to make a dent somewhere doing that. Um, I was, um, a lobbyist on Capitol Hill. And then I was at the U S securities and exchange commission when Enron blew up for those who are old enough to know what Enron is. Then I was at a major law firm. Then I was in house, whereas I shared, I just couldn't do it anymore. My gastroenterologist said, you're going to die of stress in this job. I was in a toxic work environment. Uh, I just didn't know it because I thought that was normal, but what had happened was I was just so tired of that life I couldn't even get up in the morning and I lived across the street from work like literally like it was a five-minute drive I just you know here I am I'm like um I'm a I'm a workhorse, like I get it done. I get up at 5.30, I work out, I get it done. I've always been that way. And it's partly my immigrant refugee and partly just who I am. But I would just find myself as laying in bed, you know, like just staring at the ceiling, 8.45, I drag in at 9.15, ludicrous, right? Because I'm a morning person. And so I just quit. I quit because I couldn't handle the toxicity of the work environment anymore. And it was the best thing I've ever done. And so... I sat around, twiddled my thumb, and I could tell the recession was coming because, again, that's what I'm good at. I can see the forecast, the future. I was like, people are going to have to start relying on themselves. This brand, you know, people say I work for IBM, I work for Dell, I work for Apple. It ain't going to fly anymore, right? Because professionals, also mostly lawyers, because that was my world, lawyers would call me up and go, I have no business. I lost my job no one was used to that. Right. And I'm like, well, what are you doing differently? I don't know. What am I supposed to do something differently? And I was like, wow, like we really as professionals. And then I realized we're not taught that in school. Right. My husband's a dentist. So when he got his new dental office, It was right around that time, great time to open a new business. That's what we did, two new businesses during the recession. Uh, I looked at him and I said, you don't know how to get butts and seats to save their lives by saving their teeth. And he said, we were never taught that in dental school. And he'd been practicing a long time since then. So I thought, what a tragedy that in professional education, they do not teach us any aspect of this. They give us a lot of substantive left brain linear information that we do need, but they don't tell us, Hey, now you're going to have to find people that you can apply this to and make a living and pay off all this debt you owe us. Right. (laughs) (laughs) If we want to get kind of, you know, rigid about it. Mm -hmm. So I said, I've got to do this. This this is what I was really good at. Self-marketing, self-promotion, but self-promotion is when I care about you that's healthy self-promotion. And so I can tell you, look, I'm really good at what I do. You know, if you need this, please consider hiring me because it will help you do A, B, and C versus what every professional thinks that is, that it's bragging. Bragging is when I tell you I'm good at it just because I don't care about you. I just want your money. I just want you to listen. I just want to make myself feel better bolster my ego versus my self-esteem my healthy self-esteem so we're never taught that and as professionals i think we go to school because we don't want to address that and then we come out and now after the recession people really saw that oh shoot i have to really focus on this so that was my journey it was one heck of an evolution let me tell you my friend because i always thought i was a lawyer I couldn't understand that I was a human. And I remember the day my sister was like, oh my God, you're not a lawyer, you're a person. And I was like, holy bananas, I am a person, right? And so, because in DC, when you went out and you saw people, the first question people asked was, what do you do? No one really asked you, who are you? What's your name? What's your family about? Nothing. That was just right. not part of the conversation. Right. It was very kind people that meant well, but it was different world. So that's how this journey started. And it was complicated. And every day I'm pulling back this onion about myself and figuring out who I am so that I can bring the best of it to my clients through whatever medium. So that's my story. Yeah, Beautiful. It's interesting. I am. Uh...
0: You touched on two things that I want to talk a little bit more about, but this is, again, a total detour because that's how we roll here. But uh, we actually had a program a few weeks ago where we talked about discrimination and racism specifically. Mm -hmm. But you're talking about discrimination. And I'm sure in Indiana, there's not a huge amount of diversity, right? No. I mean- Do you want to? Do you want to talk
1: about it a little bit? Sure, absolutely. It's funny that you say that because it's becoming so highlighted in my programming. Um, you know, growing up in Indiana, everybody looks the same except for me, right? And now there's a lot more diversity. I will say this though: there was a lot of kind people. I love Midwestern people. I love being a Midwesterner. Whether I go to Chicago or to Indiana, Midwestern people are kind. Like they would pray for us at church on Sundays. I mean, they were just nice people, but you know, with it comes all the nuances of being human. And in the Midwest, they were like, who are you? Why are you eating that food? And what, and this is like 1980, 1979, 1980, like way before yogurt was cool. Like we were eating yogurt. And people were like, what's yogurt? Like, you know, like pomegranates. Oh my God. No one had discovered pomegranates for like 20 years afterward. So the basics for us were like unheard of and it was tough because I always stood out and so you don't want to stand out when you're a young child or when you're even an adult. I looked around and that's our problem. People want to blend in and stand out and sell somehow and I'm like, those two do not go together. So I force people to bump up against their comfort zone and I say, okay, you want to be a remarkable agent. There's a lot of agents it doesn't rely on anybody else except who you are at your core. Right. Look here first. <clears throat> and so for me it was painful. I would get beaten up. I would get um you know teased. And you just kind of muddled through it, right? And it was painful. And so it just, it hurts your self esteem. It absolutely does. Oh yeah. Here's what I've learned though. I tell that story on in, in all my audiences as a professional speaker. And I had a guy come up to me after one of my talks. And he was a white guy. And he said, I'd like to hire you for my company. Turned out he was CEO. And I said, okay, great. Tell me, what did I say up on stage that made made sense for you? And he said, um, the fact that you're an immigrant in the discrimination aspect. And I said, I'm sorry, you just told me you're a white man from Nebraska. And he said, <laughs> Yes, but I've always felt like an outsider in my own skin. Right? So, discrimination happens on all levels, I think. It's about who we fundamentally lack who we are, and then how discrimination happens when we turn it around <clears throat> because we're so scared and we fear that and so we're going to pick on somebody else that's what bullying and discrimination really is and the implicit biases that go with that maybe I didn't like someone named Christine 10 years ago so when I hear that name it triggers it and then I don't like people with that name and I don't right. even know it right that's why self-awareness is so important so a lot of my programming these days is going into organizations and teaching people look you want a healthy workforce that does not discriminate, that has diversity in it, that does not bring in implicit bias, let the people develop their brands and people will then have their own self-confidence to stand on. And so they won't be relegated to either being bullied, being discriminated or thinking that they need to take their anger and their fear and their self-confusion about who they are out on other people. It doesn't have to be that way. And my programming is one avenue that really um, puts tools in people's toolbox so that they they don't even go down that road because they're so focused on themselves and self-improvement. Everybody else can just be live and let be, right? I mean, right. just do your own thing, stay
0: in your own lane. Right. If you're not looking for a scapegoat, you're not looking to make yourself feel better by making someone else feel bad. And then you yeah. just naturally, it's my favorite expression that I don't, I don't think I coined it, but um, I don't know who, Said it first. <laughs> we just feed yourself first, right? You know, I mm-hmm. if you're this is my the way I think of it, like I'm out to dinner, and you know, you want to share your food with other with everyone at the table, but you don't want. But if it's really delicious, you know, you you really don't want them to have very much, <laughs> right? So if you just like completely satisfy yourself, and then you're like, oh look, and I have some left over. Now you can give it so freely and so generously and everybody can have as much as they want. And I'll be like, oh God, look, that person took such a big piece of me, you know, like it, it just, you have to be whole first and then whatever bubbles over, people can just take it, you know, it's just extra, please, you know. Yeah.
1: That's a really good way of looking at it. Uh, that wholeness and that soundness is so important. And the whole, you know, airline cliche, is so true. They say it because it really it's the is. truth. Cliches are... Set often because they're true right as Marianne (laughs) Williamson says so you got to be centered and grounded and know who you are before you can go in and actually interact with other people and that's what I say everyday employees bring all this baggage to work right We all do. I did in that toxic work environment. I was part of the problem. I was not like, oh, this is awful. I must leave. I was part of that problem for sure, right? So we bring it and then we don't know what to do about it. And we blame other people because it's hard to look inside and that's why I always tell all my clients my clients are going from good to great there's nothing wrong with them they're going from great to greater maybe but they're all courageous and they all have my admiration and my respect because they're willing to go through this process of unearthing and really accessing who they are mm-hmm. and they come out of it so happy at the end even though the process might have been tough for them because without that then not being whole and sound then you can't see the oneness in everyone else that everyone else puts their leg. Dance on one leg at a time as that cliche goes and so what you do that might be harmful to another you're harming yourself as a result and you're harming this work environment and by the way no one's going to hire you or date you or whatever you're after you know my programs are about business but they're about the person so it's personal for sure right, right? right. so the discrimination effect is real and it's and I always say that. Um, who was it most recently? Well, whatever happens, like there was some mass shooting somewhere, and I remember I turned to my husband and I said, "That poor mass shooter." And my husband said, "What? What do you mean? You know?" And I said, "I get it. I get it. You know." But that guy had, had to have such trauma, you know, and we just have to pray for people like that because that's the problem, right? We don't. And we ostracize them and we make the problem way worse instead of right. saying this person's hurting too. And if they're hurting, then the rest of us are probably going to hurt literally or figuratively because everyone needs to be whole and, and healed, right? Right. Exactly.
0: Yeah. I forget where I just read that. Someone said... Um I, same thing it was someone had done something like bombing shooting something like that and they put it on the teacher saying that the teacher should have recognized that this child had no friends and if they would have just introduced them to one person if someone would have just if they could have just made one friend that that might have just changed their whole life you know because you you do need to feel I me mean, you know I'm thinking of your client you know this Nebraska white guy who's think like I feel like I'm oh, sorry I want to say, I want to go out on a limb here and say that all entrepreneurs, all people who grow up to be entrepreneurs have always felt like yes. outsiders, right? Because yes. yes. I feel the same way. I'm like, no one's like me. Everyone mm-hmm. else is like, they're they're just doing their thing. And I'm just like, I don't want to do that thing, but I don't, you know, I'm different from everybody
1: else. I mean, yep. Yeah, Yeah. I call myself the black sheep, but I wear it now with a badge of honor. I love being the black sheep because it makes me creative and it makes me see resources differently. But yes, we're very different. We think very differently. And I don't even know how many times my staff is like, you want to do what? And that's really why I don't have business partners. I'm happy to bring on people to work for me. And it's not because I have to be right, whatever. I just have this vision and like, I'm happy to explain it to you, but I'm not going to sell you on it because... It may not make a whole lot of sense, but it works for me. And I will hire people to coach me and do this part of it and that part of it because I recognize my weaknesses and I just want to focus on my strengths. But like when I have a vision, like it may seem wonky and weird, like setting up this whole business. People were like, you're doing what? And then I remember when I took everything well, everything was already virtual for us, but like everything became like we took a I took a seven month boot camp program. Okay, so boot camp has always been seven months, virtual or in person. Yeah. And it was three hundred and ninety-seven dollars a person per class. And that price point worked for people. Okay. And then when all this happened, right, March twentieth. I said, okay, can't do that. So we're going to turn it into a seven-week program because people were saying, oh, I need this material. I need it faster. I need it now, yeah. And then I turned it to $97 a class because I was like, this is what people need. And so I run it through my values. Is it fair? One of my biggest values is fairness. And it felt fair. So I did it. And my staff was like, did what? Seven weeks? <laughs> with $97? I said, they're like, that's like free. And I'm like, listen to me. It's going to work because- it came to me and it just makes sense and people need this and I don't feel bad about it and we're going to do it. And it's always worked. And so now we've run three cycles already at that price point And the next cycle starts at the end of August and we've already got people involved in that. I'm like, you know, it's not till the end of August. They're like, yeah, yeah. We're just, we're just enrolling now. And I'm like, okay. So it, it, it th- those things you can't explain to people, right? So that's really being a black sheep. And my staff was like, I can't believe how you took a seven-month program turned it into a seven-week program. Save, same content. Mm-hmm. And you repriced <laughs> it that lower, and then it sells. And I'm like, I, if I had a partner, trying to explain that to a business partner, right? Like, yeah. I'm not doing that, right? Because then you have to negotiate and I'm just take so much energy trying to right? justify yeah. every
0: decision you know you make these decisions they feel right I just want to do it and go with it I don't want to spend all my energy explaining to you why it's such a fantastic idea. Because then you doubt yourself, you know, like, well, maybe it isn't a fan. I mean, forget it. I mean, I'm
1: good for advisors telling me the ups and the downs and, you know, only an ignorant person wouldn't consult. However, some of the entrepreneurial visions are so wacky, you know, (laughs) consultants who don't have that same capacity and that same vision would be like i'm going to caution you against that because of all the <laughs> business risk and you're like okay thank Thanks. you and i'm going to take that under advisement and you know then it ends up Go we're on. still doing it So, um, there's real beauty in being an entrepreneur and a black sheep. And so my family's kind of used to it now because when I became a lawyer, that was, I did did that because, you know, you either became a lawyer, a doctor, or an engineer. I couldn't handle the sight of blood and engineering bored me to death, right? Like who becomes an engineer? Love all my engineer friends and and clients out there, but not me. It's a certain personality. Yes. (laughs) And it wasn't mine for sure because I'm, I'm an extrovert, um, personality. And so I was like, blah, it is. That's how I'm going to save the world. And so that all made sense. In the day I switched careers, my mom was like, well, I don't know how to tell my friends what my daughter does anymore. And I was like, so yeah, that's a problem, right? And you an that's a problem, yeah. <laughs> but I love being wacky and I love being, but what, what now people call me, and I'm sure they call you this too, is inspirational. Yeah. right exactly. they say wow you were so brave all those years ago and i'm like i think i was crazy but okay i'll look <laughs> at it. i'll take the honest, compliment right? <laughs> right i'll take the compliment yeah. um but now they're like you're so inspiring that story and and how you're just so courageous and i'm like yeah i'll own that for sure for sure and if that yeah. inspires others and lets them step into their courage to yeah. do something different to feel good uh, that's how we grow. We're either growing or we're dying. So. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, how did you how did
1: you start KDG TV? Was that a vision? Um, Katy G TV, yeah. Katy TV is because um, I've always known and self promotion that I come across well in that medium of TV. Uh, people have always said that to me. And I have how I figured that out is in person, when people are around me, their vibe goes up. The their resonance is high. And so oftentimes they would leave and they'd be like, oh, I just lost it when I left. And I was like, "Hmm." so I can't be everywhere, right? So I thought, well, all right, I'm just going to make a TV show. And so these TV show episodes um, were a real labor of love and they were expensive and they're a real labor of love content, and they're effective for people. And, you know, we've stopped making them since for obvious reasons, but the ones that we have, we have a nice library. Um, I watch on the back end when people tap in and get what they need out of it. So I love the fact that if I'm not there, that people can tap into that vibe and that resonance and raise their own vibe and get what they need and then take it and do something good with it. So Nice, nice. Yeah. What
0: you talked earlier about books and learning and do you have it? What are you reading right now? What's
1: your, what's happening in you um, your
0: library right now?
1: Yeah. I've got a hodgepodge of stuff. I'm reading <laughs> the dogs of Bedlam park. Um, by John Katz. And that's because my editor said, I need you to read this book. My editor is my therapist now. It's really <laughs> hilarious. Um, so I'm reading that. And it's a fantastic book because I love dogs. And his writing is beautiful. He's a he's a, he's a renowned writer. And that's um, nonfiction, but it has a fiction twist on it. So I like to read both because the fiction stimulates my creative right mind, especially when I'm writing. Yeah. Uh, and I just, so I, 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 I discovered – this is going to be funny – Harry Potter, like, last year. Because when I graduated from law school, I was not going to read a darn thing. And I looked at this thick book and I said, I don't care who it is, what it's about. I'm not reading another thing. So that's when it came out. So I just devoured those books because – I was looking at the way J.K. Rowling writes and her creativity, and that's just divine. Like, you cannot make that up, right? Like, well, she made it up, but you know, like, it's just you know, that flow. was sweet. Yeah, she just, she, just channeled that. Oh <laughs> she just channeled that stuff. So, I'm always reading a fiction, but right now I don't have a fiction to read. Well, I do, but you know, I'm supposed to read this book, and it's fantastic. And then I'm also reading um, Spirit Means Business. By Alan Cohn. I love Alan Cohn. I don't know if you know Alan Cohn, but he really brings spirituality into business, and I just adore him. He's he's done a really nice job deciphering a Course in Miracles for people. So if you haven't heard of Alan Cohn, Google him and a Course in Miracles Made Easy. And then I'm reading a book on grief, actually, um, by Elizabeth Kubler Ross and David Kessler, who are the masters at grief and loss, because my mom is on hospice, Mm. and um, she's been on hospice for a while, and so I. Figured I was going through the grieving process for a while and on lockdown, you can't see her and it's, it's tough yeah. to say the least. So a couple months ago, I thought, you know, I'm going to read this book on grief and prep myself. And so I did and she's still here, but I thought it felt really good to like be intentional about it rather than like just fall apart. Yeah. Somewhere in the process yeah. so those that's what i'm reading um right now there's something else on my bedstand that i can't remember but yeah <laughs> do you have one book that you come back to again and again yeah i have a book that i give all my clients as holiday gifts because i think giving books is such a gift i love um the Re- a return to love by marianne williamson i right. got to meet and got to know marianne and i just um love that book It's a very powerful book. You know, it's not a religious book at all, even though she cites Jesus, because Marianne is Jewish. And of course, (laughs) miracles is her teachings. Um, She didn't write it, but she teaches it. Uh, So, you know, I always tell my clients, look, it says Jesus in there a lot, but it's not a religious book. (laughs) And so that's a book I always return to, because it makes sense, a return to love, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. But Kathy, what should I have asked you that I didn't ask you?
1: I I guess I'll leave you with resources that would be the only thing that'd be beautiful. You're
0: probably going to go there. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and everything um, is going to be on the website. I'll put link, whatever you mentioned, I'm going to put a link to it on the perfect, website, which is get your fill Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: so there's so much content, free content at purist and at katie. dot com. Um, they can go to both places for free content. And if they want to dip their toe in the water and figure out what this stuff is about, I have an emotional resonance factor mini course it's basically free it's $29 and it's a self-paced course four modules we send you one a week you watch the video you get the handouts you do the exercises if you want to really practice a little bit and get the little bit of the fundamentals that's why I made it specifically around the emotional resonance element of the brand because that's the toughest part for people to get going on and gain mastery on Uh, and then branding boot camp of course starts at the end of August and that's a seven week program and this next cycle is all professional women and it's something of beauty to be a part of and to see where professional women across the globe once a week come together for two hours for $97 a class and they support one another and they get what they need and they grow together and they get this content and then they go out there and they rock the business world because I find that as professional women we don't make our voices be heard. And um, we don't ask for what we need and we're juggling a lot and our stress is high. And so this cycle is just for professional women. And then we're going to do before that launches, we're going to do two free webinars uh, the week before to, to let people know the 17th and the 19th. And it's just pure content, those two webinar series. So I will give you the links to all that and whether you want to pay or you want to do the free stuff, it's all there for you to access. And I love it.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. Katie, it was so great. Thank you very much. That was fantastic. It was so helpful and I am absolutely going to go to your seminar and I can't wait to hear all the things you have to, to share. If you loved this episode, you have got to click the subscribe button because otherwise you could miss it because, you know, time goes by so fast and you're like, oh my God, it's another week. That's what happens to me all the time. So you do not want to miss us next week because we have for you a real treat. Next week, not that this week wasn't a real treat because it it totally was, I know that. (laughs) But next week we have Wanda Booth. Wanda used to be, uh, she was a military leader and now she's teaching folks how to be leaders in their lives. And I feel, as I say to her in in the podcast interview, that we have a serious lack of leadership right now. So if you feel that, you can learn something (laughs) and maybe teach it to your fearless leader next week. Uh, Also I want to just thank Medium.com, which if you don't know Medium, basically it's a place that you can go and get news stories specifically designed to things that you're interested in. The curators recently chose one of my articles that I wrote on racism to be sent around to all the people who subscribe and say they're interested in articles about racism. So that was a real honor and a treat. And I'm very grateful to them for that. Uh, if you want to check it out, I'll leave a link to it on the um, podcast page, which is getyourphilpodcast.com. Be sure to check that out for more links to like how to sign up for Kati's seminar, anything that we talk about, books and all that kind of stuff, getyourphilpodcast.com. Looking forward to hearing your comments and seeing you next week.
1: Have a good one.